0: Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMA this week we're going over UFC Vegas Seven, headlined by Pedro Munoz versus Frankie Edgar. It's the bantamweight debut of Frankie Edgar. However, I think it's just a little bit too late, but uh we'll get into that in the breakdown later on in this episode. Um you know i'm excited ish that we're getting fights and i know we're getting fights every single weekend uh but this one is a little bit interesting there's nine ufc debuters, probably more now by the time this fucking episode comes out but uh yeah it's 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 pretty much a a, a, a lengthy contender series with a couple ufc names here and there um in terms of fights that I'm looking forward to, obviously Munoz and Edgar is a, an intriguing one. Menafield versus St. Prue should be intriguing. Menafield finally getting a legitimate step up in the light heavyweight division. Uh, Marcin Pracnio finally coming back. Should be a fireworks fight against Mike Rodriguez. Uh, Maria Agapova, she seems to be a fast rising star. Daniel Rodriguez against Takashi Sato should be a barn burner as well. Uh, but also, Joe Selecki versus Hubbard should be a very fun fight. um but before we get into the breakdowns, let's go over my last event at UFC 252, um, where we ended up with some profit and the 7th straight winning event because we're on a fucking roll. Um, let's start off with the the lock of the night since that was our that was one of the losses. I had 4 units at minus 112 on Daniel Cormier. Obviously, the fight didn't go out as expected. Um, obviously, I expected him to go out there and try to wrestle a little bit more. Uh, in the post-fight interview, he talked about how the the wrestling opportunities did not present themselves. You know, I always expected Cormier to kind of be the guy to create those wrestling situations. Uh, I'm not sure what it was, whether it was, you know, the the fact that he couldn't see for half the fight, um, getting rocked at the end of the second round. Um, cardio, whatever it was, uh, I am now a Steve Miocic believer regardless. Um, You know, he had a great game plan in terms of keeping Cormier on the feet and just outstriking him, being a little bit more active. And then, you know, that clinch against the cage uh, really seemed to drain it out of Daniel Cormier as well too. So, solid win for Steve Miocic there, minus four units for us. However, we still had a great night otherwise, which allowed us to still profit on the night. Uh, we'll go with the next loss, which was 0.5 units at plus 404 on Dodson to win via KO. I thought it was worth it. You know, Mirab has shown that he is quite hittable. Uh, and I thought if he's fighting the, the hardest hitter at this point at plus 404 odds, I'm more than happy to take the shot there on John Dodson. So I did. Minus 0.5 units. Not a big deal. Um, and then let's talk about the rest of the the, the bets that hit uh dog of the night daniel Pineda, one unit at plus 230 no brainer for me here you know i i think a lot of these newer fans are not aware of daniel Pineda. uh you know former ufc fighter and even though he had a tumultuous run the first time around he's nine and two since his last time in the ufc could easily be 10 and one if it wasn't for a tko uh, cut just saying you know the guy is still still has it he's 35 years old but he still definitely has it and Herbert Burns uh you know a lot of people were just goo goo over him or gaga over him uh due to uh just him going out there and starching his last couple of opponents but if you go back to watch his one FC fights the guy is you know if he's not able to get you out of there in the first round it gets a little bit questionable and Daniel Pineda definitely pushed him I wish I put a little bit more on it but i'll take the plus 2.3 units profit there uh next up another dog of the night play was the under two and a half on o'malley and vera that one hits even though as weird as it hits due to o'malley's unfortunate leg injury or whatever the fuck occurred i'll take the under two and a half there uh plus 1.56 units on that play and then lastly we had a 2.5 unit parlay uh at plus 128 odds that cash for 3.21 units i had verna jandiroba i knew i wanted to parlay her with somebody um i knew she was going to go in there and cl- crush felice Erig. um i probably should have bet the sub prop or even the the in the distance prop but i'm happy with that regardless i ended up parlaying her with jorzini Rosenstrike, who looked you know very calculated in that first round gave away that first round but then really started to open it up in a second and we saw him put away junito santos beautiful finishing for him there and beautiful cast for us uh to end the event at plus 2.57 units hell yeah obviously not as good as the last two unit or last two events where we cast plus six units and plus seven units uh sorry two plus six units events and then one plus seven unit event 2.57, I'll take that regardless. We're going to take that momentum and carry it on into UFC Vegas 7, which I expect to be a very profitable event for us. Um, As of this recording, only one bet, but I will have uh, at least two or three more bets for this, obviously including the lock of the night play. If you guys want access to it, since I'm on a a seventh event winning streak, obviously I'm charging for my plays right now uh the cheapest and best option is the patreon you guys get all these breakdowns as you guys will see they've been pre-recorded a little bit later this week than usual just due to unforeseen circumstances but normally you guys get these uh breakdowns a lot earlier uh than the public uh you guys get the bets uh, all official bets and then you guys also get a best bet slash Props article, which pretty much outlines the best bet or prop or best bet and prop for every single fight on the card. Um, and that's been doing pretty well. You know, people who have been on the Patreon, uh, got access to um, Derek Brunson round three plus 2400 that hits Gavin Tucker plus uh round three plus 1800 that hits uh this last event, rosen Rosenstrike round two plus 525 that hits I'm, I'm, I'm killing it with that article so if you guys want some of that make sure you guys check over on the patreon it's only five bucks a month very very cheap uh it's growing to a lot quicker than i expected it to and i'm slowly getting to that place where i feel like i can start doing this shit a little bit more full time uh and start getting these breakdowns out even earlier for you guys so uh check out the patreon all the information is in the description below you guys get the breakdowns early you guys get the bets you guys get the article it's a no-brainer the best five bucks a month you'll ever fucking spend and you can just go on the patreon and check all the members that are happy with everything that they're getting on top of the winning events and the bets Right? I got you guys. All right. Let's get into the breakdowns. Uh, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy them. Timor Valiv versus Mark Striegel. Uh, Valiv was actually supposed to fight um, Jamal Emmers on August 1st. However, I believe... Uh, believe drew i'm not 100 sure of the reasoning behind that uh the odds on this fight we got minus 525 for Timur and plus 415 for Striegel. uh both guys again making their ufc debuts um timor believe he actually used to fight in the pfl and the wsof um his one and well, he had his first loss in his first pro fight. And then afterwards, he lost to Chris Gutierrez in a split decision. Uh, and then he got an immediate rematch. Uh, and I think that's more so in terms of uh, the fact that Ali Abdelaziz is his manager uh, and also was running OWS off at the time with Ray Sefo. And they saw one of their star pupils take a, a split decision loss. So they're like, you know what? Let's just put these guys together again and let's let him get that victory back. And that's exactly what he did uh you know since that time he's put together five straight victories uh and now here he is against uh, another ufc newcomer and mark striegel with relief though we're getting a guy that likes to pretty much you know bounce around on the uh on the feet uh kind of outpoint and outstrike his opponents has decent takedowns uh, it's questionable takedown defense uh but this fight is a little bit intriguing because striegel looks a little promising you know he has decent leg kicks uh, he has a weird frame a huge frame uh too. that that that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out here as a bat he does not look like a bantamweight which is the crazy thing the guy is just shredded for days uh has strong kicks uh seems to have a decent um ground game as well too but i just can't really get the the full gist of uh his game you know he has been fighting questionable competition throughout his career his most recent fight was uh <clears throat> no contest where he accidentally low blowed a guy uh his opponent was 32 22 and 11 so just keep that in mind um but yeah he looks promising but this is a tough test for him as in his first fight in the ufc um in my opinion on first thought the line seems a little bit wide um with that said i don't feel comfortable on either side uh i do believe that believe is the the overall better fighter he he has more of a judge friendly style. He should be able to go out there and get the judge's decision. Uh, but you know, don't count out Stregel. In my opinion, I don't think anybody should be going out there and parlaying Valiev. Uh, there's just too many question marks about him himself, and then also the potential of Stregel and if he is actually a legitimate uh, a legitimate fighter. 30, 30 years old for Timur, 32 for Striegel. Uh, both guys should technically be in their prime. And Striegel, 18-2. and two, That's an impressive record, but again, very cre- questionable dis- um, opposition, uh, or at least strength of schedule for his opposition. So I will go, over believe, to win this fight by decision. Uh, but again, very, very close fight. A lot closer than the the odds suggest, in my opinion, uh, which is why I would highly suggest that anybody, uh, you know, refrain from from parlaying belief here because there's just too many question marks on both guys carlton minus versus matthew semelsberger who the fuck are these guys um they're making their ufc debuts um you know i i I don't understand it just as i said last week when we had all these newcomers uh i I don't understand this fight but either way i had to dig into it for you guys uh and it's still hard to come out in terms of who should be favored and who should win this fight you know Samusberger seems to pack a lot of punch uh has a lot of power um doesn't have the best takedown defense but i don't think he's gonna have to worry too much about that in this fight against minus i think both guys are going to try to go out there and try to uh pretty much outstrike each other i think samuel's has a little bit more power but i think that the technical ability or you know kind of the technical ability of Carlton Minus will be allow will allow him to technically outstrike Samuelsberger in this fight Um, I expect him to try to stay long he's going to give up a little bit of height here I'm not 100% sure what the reach is but uh, they don't seem too far apart and uh, Minus does seem a little bit more lankier Uh, he has a decent jab Uh, we saw it in full effect in his last fight I just want to get the guy's name right against Sean Ellis um yeah he pretty much jabbed his face off for 15 minutes it looked really really good uh minus his only losses to rick story at pfl that was uh august of 2018 and then he came back in february of this past year or of this year uh beat sean ellis and now here he is making his ufc debut again when you see guys only coming off of one victory coming into the ufc it just tells you what the fuck is up so uh with the limited amount of tape out there for both guys and the the lack of legitimate experience that we see on the records you, you know you got to kind of give it a little bit more to minus he fought Justin buckles he lost to Rick Story he has a little bit more names on his record um and and he looks a little bit smoother on the feet so i do like minus to win this fight uh i could see him getting it done uh, but yeah, the under two and a half at plus 160 is not too bad of a price, in my opinion, considering both of these guys are mainly stand-up fighters. I could see Samuelsberger, you know, just throwing that air for the majority of the fight, and then mine is slowly picking him apart, and then eventually finishing him late. Um we have seen the resiliency of uh, in a prior fight where he was pretty much getting controlled on the ground for a bit and then he eventually got the finish. Uh, but uh, again, this is another level. And even though he's fighting another guy that's making his UFC debut Who knows what the UFC jitters is going to do to either guy. Um, They're kind of lucky, again, considering the whole COVID uh, situation that's going on right now and the fact that they have no fans uh, and the fact that they're going up against each other as UFC debutants. But uh, I still don't know what to expect from either guy. I will be uh, leaning towards Colton Minus, though. I think uh, he has just the smoother stand-up, the smoother striking, and a better overall game. But I do expect him to... uh, Uh, pretty much out point I'm going to go without point here uh and he wins this fight via decision Ike Villanueva versus Jordan Wright uh this is going to be the UFC debut of Jordan Wright Uh, most people will remember him from his Dana White contender series stint where he lasted 40 seconds against Anthony Fluffy Hernandez uh but he was pretty much a joke of the town leading up in, uh, to that contender series fight just due to the fact that, uh, you know, the combined record of his opponents were like just something absolutely ridiculous. Um, it just you know, pretty much everybody was calling him a can crusher, uh, myself included, you know, he's going out there and just finishing the finishing these guys in the first round, pretty much all of his fights were finished in the first round, and not a lot of people were giving him credit uh, due to just the, the lack of experience of his opponents, um, however, last time around, uh, at LFA 80, we saw him finally enter the second round for the first time in his ten. 10- fight career maybe 11 fights if you want to call that no contest to fight uh anthony hernandez ended up popping from marijuana which is why that fight is now uh a no contest but that was a quick uh victory tko stoppage for anthony hernandez beautiful finish by him there but in that fight against gabriel checo for the people in the know, they know that Gabriel Checo is a very good jujitsu player, uh, but that's pretty much where his talent lays. Uh, he's not really that good in the striking realm, uh, kind of slow on the feet, likes to throw winging bombs, uh, but he does his best work when he gets the fight to the ground. Jordan Wright... A lot better on the on the feet. It's the complete opposite of Checo. Decent on the ground, can hold his own. Um, as we saw in that Checo fight, he didn't really uh, you know, he found himself in some submission attempts from Checo, but was able to get himself out of those. Uh, but he does most of his work on the feet. You know, he's kind of explosive. Uh, he has some speed. Uh, he has power too, as we saw in that checkoff fight, as he was able to to drop him pretty quickly. And obviously, you know, we can joke and call him a can crusher and all that stuff, but he was still able to go out there and finish a bunch of guys uh, in fights before. So uh, the it, it was weird because... After the contender series fight, he took roughly a year and a half off uh, and finally, you know, came back. I don't know if he had some demons that he was dealing with or whatever it was, but he, he came back and he had a tough test ahead of him. Gabriel Checo's, you know, not a slouch or anything by any means. Um and and it showed, you know, it, um Jordan Wright looked really good on the feet, uh hurt Checo a lot. Uh and then it was and it ended up being like a It was like a body kick that turned into a knee that landed perfectly on Checo as Checo was going for a takedown. uh, And then he followed up with punches. It kind of looked like that Marlon Moraes and Aljamain Sterling finish, if you guys remember that one. But, uh, you know, solid win for Jordan right there. I'm still not a complete believer. However, luckily for him in this fight against Ike Villanueva it might turn out the same you know I mean Villanueva's up there in age I believe he's 30 yeah he's 36 years old he's 16 and 10 he's had 26 fights he most recently got finished by Chase Sherman who himself was kind of a bit of a laughing stock within the UFC found himself getting cut and then he came back into the UFC and had a pretty good performance against Ike I'm not really willing to go out there and shit on Chase Sherman you know he he, he has made some progress. His leg kicks are deadly now. Uh, and that allows him to really bring his hand to get, his hands together, which allow him to to go out there and finish Ike Villanueva in a beautiful fashion. Um, I believe Jordan Wright will have just as much success, though. Uh, I don't really see Ike trying to get this fight to the ground or anything like that. Uh, you know, he has decent hands. He throws well in combinations. But in terms of being more uh, explosive and faster, I think Jordan Wright's going to have the, the advantage here. So as of this recording, there is no odd, there are no odds out for this fight. Um, but I'm assuming that we might get Jordan Wright at a bit of a favorite um, line. If he comes out as an underdog, that might be a small bet. And I can't believe I'm saying that about the Beverly Hills Ninja. But um, yeah, then again, I, I, I don't like betting UFC newcomers, uh, even if it's somebody that we know as well as Jordan Wright. Uh, but yeah if he comes out as an underdog he, he might be worth a little bit of a poke uh just due to his you know speed athleticism and his knockout power and we've seen Ike just absolutely demolished in his last fight so there's just something to to think about there so I, I am going to take Jordan Wright to win this by first round KO uh I expect him to be faster to the punch uh and Ike has uh had a little bit of a uh you know shortcomings with his durability, at least that we saw in the Trey Sherman fight, and the the speed and the footwork of Jordan Wright is going to give him too much problems, in my opinion. So I'm going with Jordan Wright here to win my first round KO. Austin Hubbard versus Joe Selecki. We got minus 135 on Selecki, plus 115 on Austin Hubbard, and it seems like there's a little bit of money coming in on Austin Hubbard. And to be honest i can't really blame them uh it actually opened up as a pick and there's slowly been money coming in on seleki and this is actually i believe the second time these guys have been scheduled to face each other last time around austin hubbard uh ended up taking max roshkoff on uh short notice as like pulled out um, i believe it was like 10 days notice that hubbard took that fight and roshkoff is uh, as well too and we all know how that fight ended up playing out um it's it's been a little bit of a tough road for Hubbard, even though he got a victory in his last fight. Uh, the UFC just keeps lining him up with like grapple heavy guys, like from his first fight in the UFC against Davy Hamosh. Even though that fight didn't really play out in the uh, in the grappling realm, Davy Hamosh was still able to get the victory there. Kyle Prapulek was a little bit more of a easier matchup for him, got him down a couple times and was able to ride that fight out. Marco Madsen, super high level wrestler, uh, Olympian, I believe um you know he was able to get down hubbard a couple times in that fight uh but didn't really have the jitsu skills to go out there and actually get the finish over hubbard and also you got to give a little bit of uh credit to hubbard as well in terms of being able to you know uh withstand stand all those takedowns and then still find his way to get back to his feet, uh, and do decent in that third round as well. You know he was very close to finishing Marco Madsen in that third round. Uh, was really lighting him up, really putting it together. But Madsen was able to 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 stick it out uh, and still get a uh, the unanimous decision victory that time. That was back in March, and then he fought Roshkoff and. We kind of know how that fight went. You know, Roshkop did get him down in that first round. uh, You know, went for several heel hooks and stuff and just wasn't able to pull it off. And then eventually just blew his wad and then gave up on the stool uh, before the third round. Uh, I'm slowly becoming a fan of Austin Hubbard, you know. Uh, the reasoning behind his nickname, Thud, is due to the fact that, uh, you know, his leg kicks are very, very heavy. That's what his coaches nicknamed him, uh, because every time you hit somebody with a leg kick, it would make a thud sound. Uh, I find that to be very very interesting. But once you watch his fights and see him land those kicks, you kind of get it. You know, he has, he has decent hands. His cardio is really good too, you know, training over there at Team Elevation uh, in Denver at altitude. uh, And we see it in all of his fights, like he's always there in that Marco Madsen fight, in that Davey Hamush fight, like he's always there in the third round. Joe Selecki, on the other hand, 9-2, you know, is a product of the contender series. uh, And he's coming off a unanimous decision victory over Matt Wyman in a fight that a lot of people thought he was going to be able to go out there and finish him. He was not able to do so. He did get the uh, takedown pretty much uh, as often as he wanted, uh, but Wyman did a good job in terms of, uh, you know, uh, fending off any type of submissions that Solecki was throwing at him. Uh, I get the love for Selecky. You know, I I love wrestlers. I love grapplers. I love wrestlers that have really good jiu-jitsu as well. And that's what it seems like Selecki has here. You know, his stand-up is slowly getting better. He's doing, uh, you know, on a fight-by-fight basis from what I've seen. It seems like his hands continue to get better. But it's all based around his wrestling and it's all based around his jiu-jitsu that he hopes to implement and eventually get, uh, you know, submission victories over some of the guys i see a little bit of flaws though you know i mean like uh going back to watch his jacob bond fight uh you know that was a fight he continues to got the takedown did very well from the top position but in that third round uh you know he did get that takedown he was uh doing good work from on top uh but then he got a little bit sloppy you know he he did uh he was a little bit too high on jacob bond's back at one point where bond was able to shake him off and he ended up on his back I believe if you do that against a guy like Hubbard, um, it might get a little bit dicey. You know, I I think Hubbard uh, is slowly coming into his own. This will be his fifth uh, UFC fight. Um, He hasn't, he's been submitted once in his career. That was his fourth fight or fifth fight, I believe, Uh, against Sean McMurray. He got a rear naked choke there. But since then, he has yet to be uh, submitted, especially after going up against high-level competition like Divi Hamosh and Marco Madsen, who are you know known to be finishers themselves. Um, yeah, this fight was hard for me because I-, I wanted to go into it betting Selecki, but I came out on the other side a little bit more cautious here. I think Selecki uh, does have a ton of potential, and this is going to be a good fight for us to gauge what kind of fighter we have. You know, is he if he isn't able to get that submission in the first round, how is he gonna look in the third round? Uh, you know, is Hubbard gonna have a good uh you know, good job or a good chance of keeping this fight on the feet, uh, you know, getting away from submissions. Um he's gonna be a slightly bigger guy here too, not by much, but he's gonna be slightly bigger. So that's something to 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 think about here. Uh but I'm not ready to to jump on that Selecki train yet. Um I am gonna pick him to win this fight because I do think he has a ton of potential. And we have seen Hubbard taken down numerous times. Uh, you know, albeit against Marco Madsen, who's like a, a super high level wrestler. But I think that Selecki does bring uh certain chops uh to the wrestling table where he'll be able to get this fight to the ground. My concern is just later in the fight, you know. Is he gonna be able to keep that up against a guy who seems like his cardio doesn't go anywhere? Who knows? Uh but I, I, I do like Selecki here. I'm gonna take him to win this fight by some uh by decision i think he just grinds out uh, hubbard for about three rounds um but in terms of betting him like if you do want to bet him minus 135 is not too bad of a line in my opinion but um i need to see more from him i need to see more from him for against guys at, you know the hubbard level and a little bit higher if he gets past hubbard with flying colors uh maybe i'll hop on the train but as of right now i'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit uh i will take him to win this fight i, I do believe he'll get it done by decision uh but i truly want to see uh what it looks like when he fights a guy with a good of a gas tank as austin hubbard uh if he's not able to get him out in the first two rounds or so so i'll take Slucky lucky to win this fight by decision mizuki Inoue versus amanda lemos uh we got minus 140 on Inoue, plus 120 on amanda um, let's start off with Amanda Lemos who, or Lemos I should say, who's coming off a victory over Miranda Granger back at UFC Busona in, uh, in December. Uh, he won that, or she won that fight via rear naked choke, uh, pretty much halfway through the round. And it was a weird rear naked choke because it was like, it was like a mix of the, an arm triangle choke without the arm in, but also a rear naked choke, uh, but like on her side. So she actually put Miranda Granger out, um, and I I think that Granger was kind of surprised that she went out as well, considering the position that uh, Lemos was in. Uh, You know, that was Lemos's first fight down at strawweight uh, after she had popped for some sort of steroid or something against Leslie Smith back in uh, 2017. Uh, She fought her at 135 Uh, horrible performance on her end in terms of like completely shooting her wad in that first round and then in the second round coming out completely flat you could see it in her punches you can see it in her just in her demeanor overall like she just was uh, she threw everything she had in that first round she was not able to get uh leslie smith out of there so that was very concerning uh and then uh against miranda granger you know she looked a lot smaller obviously she's down 20 pounds in weight um she looked a little bit better um but uh, still, there's a lot of question marks on my end in terms of what kind of fighter Lamos is going to be, especially at strawweight. You know, she she looks decent. She looks like she hits hard. Uh, but her gas tank is an issue. And I want to see that kind of corrected before I go in there and try to back her at underdog odds. You know, anyway very good at being uh, like an in and out striker a very efficient striker like she doesn't throw uh too much into her punches she doesn't uh you know uh throw with a lot of power but she throws in bunches she moves in and out pretty well uh her striking defense is pretty good too uh so it could definitely pose some problems to Amanda Lemos uh if Lemos's cardio issues are still a uh an issue you know um with that said uh Lemos like if she wants she could land pretty hard on Inoue in that first round that's obviously where she's the sharpest. Uh, I believe she has a lot more pop on her shots. She's the better leg kicker as well, too. Uh, but the question is, how long she can she sustain that for? In my opinion, if you if you're betting on Amanda Lemos here, even betting the under is probably the best way to go. Um, you know, considering that the line is starting to close a little bit on Lemos, uh, the only way I honestly see her getting it done is inside the distance. Uh, outside of that, I think this fight is any ways to win um but either way both both women uh, have a lot of question marks on my end um you know in makes most of her fights really close uh she has a very close five round decision against uh verna jandi robo who we just saw uh completely demolish um uh felice herrick this past weekend uh but uh you know in has a lot of talent she has a lot of skill she has a lot of experience too um and i do kind of favor her to win here like i do think that she will be able to survive that first round her striking defense is good enough uh for me it's going to be more so her being able to check leg kicks in that first round if she's able to do that uh she can make lemos kind of like uh you know she she could outwork her she could absolutely gas her um you know it seemed like lemos was taking a little bit more of a cautious approach against miranda granger probably knowing you know okay I completely gassed out in my first fight in the UFC. Uh, I want to you know, pace myself a little bit better. So in case this fight does get to the third round, I'll have a little bit more juice to put out there. But luckily for her, she only needed one round to dispose of Miranda Granger. Uh, but in this fight against Inouye, I think she's going to have a tougher time uh, exposing of Inouye. You know, anyway, very good uh, submissions herself. Uh, she survived pretty much five rounds on the ground against Verna Jandiroba, who, in my opinion, is a little bit more of a, an aggressive submission artist than uh, Amanda Lemos. Um and obviously, better cardio two over five rounds. Uh, obviously, this is only three rounds, so that's not going to matter too much. But I do think that, uh, in uh striking efficiency, uh, her, her foot movement, um, you know, being at a great gym, uh, uh with uh, uh, Longo and Wideman, that's that's a that's a great gym to be at, um, to soak in a lot of information. Um, yeah, I, I gotta lean Inouye here. I think she just has a more complete game. Uh, we need to see more from Lemos uh, before we can be, uh, you know, uh, before we can build on top of that uh, victory she had over Miranda Granger back in December. So uh, I'm going with Inouye to win this fight by decision. Uh, she's just very efficient, um, and yeah, I think she's gonna make Lemos work, uh, which will possibly work against Lemos's game plan um so hopefully she doesn't try to go out there and just kind of wing for the fences in that first round and blow herself out uh and the anyway uh, run away with the rest of the fight uh but I do think that's kind of what's going to happen uh even if Lemos doesn't go out there and 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 throw for the the bleachers uh I just think the 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 constant pace pressure and output uh from Inoue with her striking is going to be a little bit too much for Lemos and we'll see her get the judges nod Daniel Rodriguez versus Takashi Sato. We got minus 185 on D-Rod and plus 160 on 10. Uh, The over-under is currently under 2.5 is minus 130. Over 2.5 is plus 110. Uh, So let's start off with Takashi 10-Sato. He's coming off a quick victory over Jason Witt back in June. Uh, That was a quick uh, turnaround for it. Well, not quick turnaround, but that was a very short-notice fight for uh jason witt uh sato was actually originally supposed to fight to uh ramiz uh brahimaj uh but brahimaj had to pull out i'm not 100 percent sure what the reasoning was behind that oh One of uh, Ramiz's cornermen actually tested positive for COVID. So unfortunate for him there, in steps Jason Witt and gets dusted pretty much as quickly as he stepped in. Um, The fight before that, uh, lost via rear naked choke to Bilal Mohamed. And before that, he put out a very chinny Ben Saunders. But one thing that Takashi Sato always brings to his fights is power. The guy has a very slick uh stand-up style where he like he kind of it's almost like a Lyoto machida ish type of style where um it's very like he's standing more so very linear very straight uh likes to hop around a bit and then lunge forward uh with uh you know his jab and then his cross which is exactly what he dropped jason witt with last time around Daniel Rodriguez, on the other hand is a little bit more of an efficient striker. Uh he trains with Joe Schilling. Joe Schilling is his main uh coach. Uh you see him pretty much in his corner every timeout. Um and even when uh Schilling was on Rogan's podcast, he talked about how calm, cool, and collected uh Rodriguez is in the back. Uh almost to a point where Joe Schilling's just like, What the fuck, dude? <laughs> you know you're about to fight, right? And then he just turns it on as soon as he comes back into uh or as soon as he gets into the cage. So he knows when to turn it on uh the dude is a fighter um he has uh 13 fights under his record now this is going to be his 14th one he only has one loss on his record to victor reina who he just recently saw on the the contender series um but since that fight he's strung together was at three six eight straight victories um and now here he is against Takashi Sato uh again with Daniel Rodriguez very efficient striker he uses his jab very well um you know he's able to keep his opponents on the end of his jab uh and he has a lot of power in his left hand as well too uh the guy has a southpaw which gives people a little bit of issues just you know southpaw versus orthodox you guys know that whole thing but the way he made his uh debut in the ufc was very very impressive uh he rocked Tim means at the end of the first you could have easily stopped that fight i don't think anybody would have any issue with it um uh and then afterwards you know takes a very cautious approach in that second round rocks tim means again and then finishes him with a beautiful standing guillotine choke um you don't often see that especially as like a a power guillotine choke too um and uh yeah means was just so out of it he wasn't able to really fight the hands or anything like that and he ended up tapping out and it was you know an impressive performance for daniel rodriguez uh and then again another uh uh impressive performance against gabe green who he ended up fighting on short notice he was actually supposed to fight kevin holland in may kevin holland pulls out in steps gabe green uh and daniel rodriguez does, does work there this is a way more interesting fight as both guys are you know they're both skilled uh they're both knockout artists uh they they like to go for the finish which is why i pointed out the under two and a half at the top of this breakdown i believe at minus 130 or minus 125 what it's at right now uh it's an intriguing line you know i think with both guys primarily being stand-up fighters uh i like that you know i mean i wish it was plus money but uh even close to minus 130 is not too bad uh considering uh both of these guys have power um you know we have seen sato dropped uh, two fights ago by Bilal Mohamed I believe that Daniel Rodriguez has a little bit more power so th- you know that there's the possibility there too um, I do think that that Daniel Rodriguez is going to be the slightly slicker striker here 6'1 um, 74 inch reach five ten seventy three 73 inch reach for Sato uh, so I think we'll see like a an efficient performance from Daniel Rodriguez uh, pretty much keeping sato on the end of his punches uh and then maybe finishing him in the later in the second round or early third round uh but i do like rodriguez here minus 180 is a little bit steep i'm not gonna lie i do believe skill wise these guys are a little bit closer uh so in terms of picking a side for value value is probably on sato but uh, i do believe that rodriguez wins this fight so i'm taking rodriguez to win this fight by uh let's say second round tko uh, but yet the under two and a half is very very intriguing in this spot Maria Agapova versus Shanna Dobson we got minus 1250 for Maria Agapova and plus 800 for Shanna Dobson uh, minus 335 for Agapova to win inside the distance so it's clear that the betting community is very heavily behind Maria Agapova in this uh, in, in this matchup and for good reason you know shannon dobson coming into this fight is three and four on a three fight losing streak um you know if you take into consideration her uh her ultimate fighter fight you know she's one in four in her last five it's ridiculous that she's still in the ufc i'm surprised that they're still keeping her around but it's probably just to feed her to women like maria agapova who is looking uh to to skyrocket to the top of the of the division uh the last fight she actually had was against priscilla casuera and that was a fight i believe she actually came in as the favorite yeah she was a minus 200 favorite in that fight and i did see a lot of people going out and betting Shannon dobson at that number say what you want about priscilla casuera but that woman still has a little bit of power and if you're not technically sound you're probably going to get caught by that woman in this fight against agapova I think we've already seen Dobson have this type of fight, but now it's just going to be against somebody much better. You know, Lauren Mueller and Sabina Mazzo are both really good strikers, or, you know, I'd say Mazzo a little bit more, but pretty good technical strikers. Uh, not the most pop in their punches, but technically they they do things very well. <clears throat> Solid leg kickers uh solid punchers obviously uh agapova does all of that with power with better movement uh and with confidence if you want to call it that you know this woman in her fight against hannah cyphers went out there and completely dismantled her uh you know looked like the heavy favorite that she was and now here she is coming in once again with uh, another lamb ready to to be butchered um i will say this even though i believe that agapova is probably the surest bet on the card (laughs) Minus twelve fifty, not touching that. Even in a parlay, not touching that. If your bookie allows you to, I would suggest possibly parlaying the the inside the distance at minus three thirty five. But to parlay her straight adds little to no value to any of your parlays. So don't think that just because you're adding her to a parlay to to boost somebody else's odds, um, you know, that it's a smart move. In my opinion, I don't think it is a smart move. You know, we you got to take into consideration, like that, as my man Cody Safdick from the Dogger Pass podcast says, um, you know, the the banana peel effect or the banana peel result. You know what I mean? What if Aika goes out there and, and fucks up her leg? You know what I mean? What if she pulls a, um, a Michael Chandler when he fought Brent Primus or what if, you know, Shanna Dobson lands this miraculous flying knee out of nowhere or something like that? You got to take those things into consideration, especially when you have like a minus 1250 favorite. So even though I believe that Agapova is going to go out there and absolutely demolish Shannon Dobson, um, I'm not rushing to the betting window to add her to any of my parlays. Um, I do believe she could get Dobson down and and possibly TKO or, or even uh, submit her um, early in this fight. Uh, so I think that the bet for this uh, fight would probably be the under. Uh, the under one and a half is minus 160. Still a little bit juicy, especially considering that Agapova, in my opinion, still needs to like get a little bit um, accustomed and acclimated to the fight first before she's really able to go out there and dish out her damage and, and look for that finish. Uh, but Dobson is just is so low level. Like To have a fighter that's below 500 in the UFC... It's kind of just a spit in the face to the reputation of the UFC, in my opinion. Like, It's the ultimate fighting championships. You know what I mean? It's not like, well, you know, it's not the ultimate funding charity. You know what I mean? You're not trying to go out there and, and just pay these women to go out there and fight to, to make a living if they're not that good. Shana Thompson's not that good. You know what I mean? I, I feel bad saying that, but she, she's not that good. Decent striking, decent power. But, like, it's it's not. like i, I decent as it is even overblowing it. You know, I mean, like, slightly below average considering the rest of that division. And you know, like the, the that there's not a whole crop of women at that flyweight division either. Uh nor is there anybody really like clamoring to fight Valentina Shevchenko. I can't believe I even put Dobson and Shevchenko in the same fucking sentence. But uh yeah, th- this should be an easy fight for Agapova. I think she goes out there maybe first round, gets Dobson down and you know submits her uh within like four minutes or so. So I'll go with Agapova via uh submission uh, and the props so we got agapova via TKO at plus 130 agapova plus 165 via submission and then again obviously inside the distance is my minus 335 i'd say go with the under you know what i mean uh but yeah i'll go with agapova to win this fight via first round submission mike rodriguez versus martin pracnio we got minus 235 on big or slow Mike, I should call him. And uh, plus 195, Marcin. Uh, we got minus 120 for the under one and a half, which is a little bit surprising considering the styles of these guys. So let's start off with Marchin first. Uh, two fights in the UFC, both of those fights, knocked out in the first round. The first one, Sam Alvey. Uh, probably the most <laughs> rudimentary striker, probably the most predictable striker uh, in the UFC. Goes out there and knocks out Marcin Pragnio. If you guys remember that knockout, that was more of a... That was a weird one because uh, first uh, Sam Alvey cracks him, drops him. uh, Tries to go for a front choke. Pragnio gets out of it. And then for some goddamn reason, Marcin Pragnio just marches forward. Chin straight up in the air. uh, No hands to really defend him. uh, And doesn't even realize how close he's getting to Sam Alvey. And Sam Alvey just blisters him with that lead hook, uh, and absolutely drops and flattens Marcin Brack-Neil. Um Then, you know, first of all, bravo to his managers and whoever the fuck is working with Marcin. Not only do they, uh, you know, come back and fight a striker, they come back and fight Magomed Ankalaev, who is probably going to be a number one contender, if not fighting for a title, uh, you know, mid-next year, uh, you know, especially with us. Uh, now having uh, Jan Blahovic and Dominic Reyes fighting each other for the light heavyweight title. I think Magomed Ankalaev is definitely going to be up there. Uh, So very bad stylistic matchup for him there. Um, And uh, Magomed Ankalaev, you know, lands a beautiful counter, drops uh, Pragnio, or sorry, rocks Pragnio, and then drops him with a head kick and then follows up with some ground and pound for a beautiful finish there. So there's definitely some endurance and durability questions about Marcin Pragnio let's not you know get into the fact that he considers himself a karate fighter because that's a little bit of a disgrace to guys like leota machida who are very evasive uh have great footwork, have great uh head movement something that pragnio shows nothing of maybe decent footwork but just nothing crazy uh head movement absolutely zero the guy is stiff as a board um his his torso and up it's just you know it, it pretty much stays the same he changes levels a little bit but you know, nobody. Obviously, most people know that he's not going to be going for takedowns or anything like that. The guy throws a lot of power in his shots. Uh, one thing that is concerning in this matchup that he does is when he throws his hooks. He throws pretty much from like his hip, and then he like dips his head and then comes over the top with his hooks. Uh, I think that's going to be a problem, especially against a, a Muay Thai fighter like uh, Mike Rodriguez, who has beautiful knees and has a, a finish via knee as well, too. Uh, a couple of them actually. So uh, that's something that he's going to have to look out for. Add on top to the fact that he's been out of the cage for almost two years. Uh, There's a lot of question marks surrounding Marcin Pratniel. What kind of shape is he going to come in? Uh, Is his durability still there? Did the layoff actually help his durability? Or did it make it worse in terms of now he has to go in there against a heavy striker like Mike Rodriguez and try to test out his durability? Let's talk about slow Mike now. Um, Solid Muay Thai fighter has a lot of in my opinion, a lot of um, unwarranted hype and and love around him. I, I, I don't get it. You know, he, he had that beautiful finish on the contender series against Jamel Jones, comes in and gets... Um, pretty much wrestle fought by devon clark uh and then goes out there finishes adam Mosta with a beautiful knee to the body as adam Mosta was trying to counter him uh on the same side mike rodriguez lands a beautifully timed knee drops Mosta, and then finishes it with punches uh john allen catches as the big on un- biggest underdog on that card uh by winning a decision over mike rodriguez uh, and then Jung was able to put out Mike Rodriguez within a minute uh in their fight at UFC Busan back in December uh so I, I like Rodriguez I like what he brings to the table with his kicks uh he throws decent combinations has a ton of power uh' a little bit slow you know what i mean like kind of like his kind of like his nickname uh trains with lozon uh at lozon mma uh but mainly shows striking acumen more so than a, a grappling heavy approach considering that he's coming out of joe lozon's gym uh you know i i, I truly believe that this is going to be a stand-up fight i truly believe that one guy's going to knock the other out um I don't know which side it's going to come from though because I, I do have a little bit of questions about Mike Rodriguez's durability as well. You know, Dalton Young landed a beautifully timed shot. Um, Rodriguez didn't even move to try to get out of the way and it dropped him and then he followed up with a little bit of ground and pounded that put him out. I think either guy is capable of knocking each other out. So I, I, I would side more so with the Mike, Mike Rodriguez side but I don't feel comfortable playing him at that minus 235 range. That's a little bit too high for me in my opinion. Um, you know it's um considering what we've seen from him thus far i i don't understand it i know prachnio was not the greatest fighter but still like you you got to give power to prachnio still like he could still go out there land something on rodriguez rock him and and tko him you know what i mean that that's absolutely a possibility um the, the the bet that I do like in this fight, though, is the under one and a half. Like I said, I do believe both guys are capable of finishing each other. They've both had durability issues. They both have a lot of power. I'd say Mike Rodriguez has uh, more versatility of power in terms of you know not just relying on an overhand right. Uh, we have seen Procnio on the regional scene or at least overseas, uh, you know, have a couple finishes via head kick, but nothing that we've seen effective in the UFC, even though he's only had two two fights. Um, I think Rodriguez will be okay in terms of like uh, blocking any type of head kick or anything coming his way, uh, but it's, it's the power that does... Um, Scare me here. The fights that we have seen them these guys most recently go to a decision in is because they're fighting guys that are more uh grapple heavy, or the other guys are the ones actually initiating grappling. These guys are never the ones really initiating the grappling. If at most you'll see these guys clinching up against the cage is because they're trying to like slow down their opponent. Um, you know uh either they were just defending a takedown or they got rocked or something, so they try to reverse position on the cage, do a little bit of work, and then they break back out. Um. I'd be very surprised to see how the guy go for a takedown here. If anybody does, I do believe it's going to be Mike Rodriguez. Um, you know, again, working with Lozon and those guys, I'm sure he has a decent ground game. Uh, but I do believe that we'll see like a you know a ground game where he 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 works to advance position and look for a a finish one thing i will give pragnio as well in terms of some of the fights that i've seen of his uh he does a good job in terms of getting back to his feet and not really settling on his back um but i do want to see him against higher level of competition uh with that said i don't know if rodriguez is that higher level of competition to make me believe that pragnio was decent with uh his get-ups with that said, I still like the under one and a half here. Um, at minus 120, I, I, I'm i kind of surprised it's there. You know, I, I was expecting it closer to being uh, minus 160, minus 170, just considering the the finishing, uh, you know, essence of these guys. These guys always go out there and try to look for the finish. They're always looking for the knockout. Um and I think one of the most will, will be successful here. So I do like the under one and a half at minus 120-ish. Um, I'm going to side with Rodriguez. You know, he's been in the cage a little bit more. Um, you know, he has slightly better striking defense, moves a little bit better, uh, throws a lot more in terms of variety, kicks, punches, knees. Um, and Pracnio is just, uh, you know, a, a one-dimensional fighter, in my opinion, that uh, has, uh, you know, terrible head movement, uh, really keeps his chin up in the, in the sky. It, it's it's concerning <laughs> you know i don't know if any of his coaches are telling him to really keep his chin down and it might be the a karate thing but even with that he doesn't really have the footwork or the movement or or any of the head movement to to really um get out of the way of big shots so i think we'll see mike rodriguez land on him uh put him down and then put him out so uh, i'll go with mike rodriguez first round ko ovin oh, same proof versus alonzo menafield we got minus 135 on Menafield and plus 115 on OSP. Let's start off with OSPs coming off a loss to Ben Rothwell. Uh, that was his 21st UFC fight, yet it was only his first fight at uh, heavyweight, so... Um, according to some of the guys on the broadcast, that was more circumstantial than it was an actual, uh, you know, real and serious move to heavyweight. So I'm sure he just wanted to go in there and get a, uh, a paycheck against a guy in Ben Rothwell who, you know, was able to test his skills. Um, you know, I did answer a couple of questions in terms of his cardio, his ability to deal with bigger guys, uh, and the durability of his chin, you know, considering how hard Ben Rothwell hits, um, it was impressive to me that osp was able to take those shots and a lot of those clean shots and keep on chugging along um i think the narrative of osp being chinny is a little bit overblown uh, the last time we saw him get knocked out was 2016. Uh, that was his fight right after he fought John Jones, uh, where he got knocked out by Jimmy Manoa. And in that time, he has gotten do- knocked down three times, but he has yet to be finished via strikes uh, since that Jimmy Manoa fight. So I do think that uh, narrative of his chin being gone is a little bit overblown. Um, we know his submission acumen. Uh, we know about the whole Von Prue choke um you know he has decent striking his kicks are very well uh very well utilized as well um he seems to, to 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 have a little bit of a slow start um and sometimes does kind of accept the his back against the cage but when he wants to turn it on he's able to do a good job of getting out of those bad situations um you know we've s- s- seen that he can eat damage and still come back and win a fight like his Mikhail Oleg fight um He's a veteran, you know this is going to be his 39th fight uh, and his 22nd fight in the UFC. you know that, that's a lot of experience, especially going up against a guy who's only coming into his 11th pro MMA fight. Uh, and let's actually t- check the statistic and statistics in terms of when Menafield made his pro debut. So Menafield made his pro debut in Bellator uh, November of 2015, 2015. Uh, Saint Pro was seventeen and six, so he he had already had twenty three fights up until that point, uh, and was getting ready to gear up to fight Glover Teixeira in a main event uh, before Manafield even, you know. Made his uh, pro MMA debut. So that's something important to remember. Uh, Menafield, it seems like the entirety of his career, he's just gotten away with knocking guys out in the first round. There was one fight where he managed to get into the second round and finish that guy within 32 seconds. There was his second fight as well, uh, which was 22 seconds into round two. But, you know, everything up until the Devin Clark fight was no longer than six minutes because he's always able to go out there and get these guys out of there and they just crumple under his pressure and his knockout power uh Devin clark on the other hand uh had other plans you know he was able to clinch up Menafield against the cage he was able to drain him there he landed a couple good shots too and then we could visibly see that Menafield was you know slower didn't have as much pop in his punches after round one um And yeah, he did land a couple of good combinations and did hit Devin Clark pretty well, Uh, but it wasn't anything that was, you know, crazy or or making you think that uh, he was going to finish the fight. I think if OSP is able to withstand that first round, um, if he's able to use his veteran, you know, uh, IQ, uh, use good movement, use his kicks to kind of keep Manifield away, or even try to just tie up Manifield, push him up against the cage and kind of drain him that way, I think it would be very successful. One thing I will give Menefield is he did show pretty good takedown defense uh, against a a pretty good wrestler in Devin Clark, but I don't think that's really going to be the way that OSP is going to go about it. Um, You know, I think we will see OSP um, be a little bit more successful too. You know, being a taller guy, being a bigger guy as well compared to to Devin Clark will have its advantages here. Um, I'd be very surprised to see Devin Clark go out there and be uh is stamina wise a much better fighter than he was you know just over two and a half months ago you can't make those types of um those those types of uh, you can't come to those types of conclusions uh without actually seeing it in the cage in terms of him shoring up his cardio issues uh i try i like to lump him into the to the francis Ngannou, the the uh, abdul razak al-hassan and even most recently the edmund shabazian thing where If once we see this guy outside of the first round or even outside of six minutes, he doesn't look the greatest. And we've seen OSP, you know, go to third rounds plenty of times. We've seen him go five rounds with John Jones. We've seen him, you know, just he has just so much experience that he should be able to beat a one dimensional fighter, in my opinion, in Alonzo Menafield here. And the fact that you're giving me plus money on this spot, too, I'm willing to take my chances into thinking that OSP is not going to you know get cracked with something in the first round and he should be able to survive and get to the second and third round and possibly either get a submission um i saw the profit that was roughly around plus 325 not too bad uh plus 710 ish for tko that's not that bad of a line either you know what if he does get um uh field down in the late rounds what if he gets his back but he just can't sink in a choke or anything like that he can tko him ground and pound So I don't think that, uh, yeah, I think the plus 710 is a little bit crazy. Um, Plus 400-ish for the OSP to win by decision. Not too bad either, but I truly think that he gets it done inside the distance here. Um, For him, though, he really needs to make sure that he doesn't get clipped um, in that first round. If he gets clipped in that first round um, and dropped and finished, I'm, I'm completely okay with with that you know i mean if that's your only win condition or your only path to victory i'm willing to take it especially against a guy who has as much veteran experience as osp so he's gonna have to be on his bicycle use his kicks to keep Menafield on the outside or clinch up push him up against the cage and uh you know negate the power or the amount of power that alonzo Menafield can generate uh and then we can see osp be very successful in this fight so um you know, Menefield does have, have the advantage of having a really good coach of Safe Sayud in his corner. Uh, but OSP has been with his coach uh, for a long time. So they have a very good relationship. Uh, and I'm sure they could figure out a way to to go out there and beat this, in my opinion. Like I said, a one-dimensional fighter in Alonzo Menafield. So I'm taking OSP here. I'm going to take him to win by second or third round. Uh, I want to say ground and pound. Like it'd be weird for me. I don't know why it's. I, I see more of a GNP finish than an actual like Von Prue troke or a or a rear naked choke or an arm triangle or something. Um, I think I personally I think it'll either be an arm triangle or a GNP finish. So I wouldn't mind taking a little bit of a sprinkle on both of those props. Uh, sub or um, sub or or TKO. What, I just wanted to see quickly what the inside the distance is though uh same pru inside the distance plus 220 so just get a little bit crazier with it you know you can sprinkle in a little bit uh von Prue or sorry uh, same Prue by sub at plus 325 or same pru by tko at plus 715 so uh yeah i got same Prue here by second or third round stoppage time for the main event we got frankie the answer edgar versus pedro muñoz this is frankie edgar's bantamweight debut it's been long talked about uh, even when he was up at uh, lightweight and they introduced the lower weight classes uh they were talking about frankie edgar going down uh you know a lot of people thought he would skip featherweight and go straight down to bantamweight but he had this um he had this uh, goal of being a three-way champion maybe not simultaneously uh, obviously since he didn't have the 155 strap anymore uh, but you know he wanted to capture 145 and then wanted to capture 135 unfortunately it looks like father time is catching up with him Uh, so last time we saw Frankie Edgar, he actually took a short notice fight against the Korean zombie. Uh, he was scheduled initially to fight Corey Sandhagen and that was going to be his, uh, bantamweight debut. That's supposed to happen at, uh, July 25th. I believe that was like a big ES or sorry, not July, January 25th of this year. And I believe that was supposed to be a big ESPN card, um, and then uh, Brian Ortega fell out of the Korean zombie fight, and Frank Edgar decided, why the hell not, let me take this fight. And he's able to go out there and enjoy Christmas with his family. Unfortunately for him, he brought home a loss. Uh, I'm sure his contract is great, so he probably got paid very well regardless, uh, but he still went out there uh, and and took a pretty bad beating from Chan Sung Young. You know, it looked like the first good shot that Jung was able to to land on Edgar it hurt him pretty much immediately and that's not what you want to see for a 38 year old Edgar who pretty much his entire career was known for taking damage but be being able to come back and and still pull off the victory unfortunately I think it's just too too late for him now you know he's endured too much uh damage his durability has definitely dwindled uh and I just feel like it's going to be you know pretty much downward from now on you know, when you're in the higher weight classes, it's easier to get away with, uh, you know, being a little bit older. Um, you know, as as the weight classes go lower, your skill needs to be higher. Your uh, power, not even your power, but your speed needs to be up there, too, because you're not going to be able to hang with some of these guys, uh, especially if they're younger than you and at the time more talented Um you know, we know what Frankie Edgar's style is. He likes to move a lot, uh, likes to throw in bunches. Um, he will eat a couple shots on the way in, but he will try to be the one that throws a little bit more and then gets out. He likes to miss it, mix in his wrestling every now and then, uh, but I think it's going to be difficult for him here against Pedro Munoz, who's pretty much like the guillotine snatcher. Anybody, Anytime somebody st- tries to go for uh, a takedown, uh, he's pretty much on their neck right away, and you know, more often than not, that's not a good thing for fighters, but a guy like Pedro Munoz, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Munoz has a nasty guillotine um, and his jiu-jitsu is very good too. So even if this fight does end up on the ground, uh, you know, he, w- he won't uh, be, be bad. You know what I mean? Like he- he'll be fine off of his back regardless. With that said though, we have seen solid takedown defense from him in his past couple of fights. So I don't even think we'll see Frankie Edgar be able to get this fight to the ground. With that said... If this fight is on the feet for five rounds, I don't like Frank Edgar's chances. You know, what I mean, uh, he's gonna have to close the distance to land a couple of shots. Uh, but on the way in, he's gonna eat some power from Pedro Munoz. You know, the the one thing from Pedro Munoz's game that you can really tell uh, he likes to utilize is his leg kicks or or his calf kicks to be specific. He's rendered a lot of fighters pretty much immobile um Brett Johns how he was able to survive for three rounds no idea Cody Garbrandt was starting to show wear and tear on his front uh calf uh before you know he just went berserk and and got knocked out uh Aljamain Sterling Sterling a little bit easier though he seemed a little bit more ready for those calf kicks um he uses like he used his own leg kicks uh very well to keep Pedro Munoz on the outside um you know, so but still, I, I feel like here, uh, I think Pedro Munoz will be able to implement those uh calf kicks pretty easily and then start you know throwing uh, throwing those uh front kicks to the body, which I've heard numerous opponents in the past. So it just you know, if the fighter's orthodox, um, Pedro Munoz will attack that lead leg once the fighter turns southpaw, he's gonna start attacking the body. So, regardless the kicking game from Pedro Munoz is going to be something that Frank Yeager will have to deal with the entire fight. And I think at a certain point, it's going to start to catch up with him and we'll see Pedro Munoz start to land his hands, which is where we'll see the lack of durability in Frank Yeager start to show once again. So I truly believe we're going to see uh, Pedro Munoz go out there and, and starge Frank Yeager. You know, it's hard for me to see how Frank Yeager wins this fight or even makes it to the 25-minute 25, uh, 25 mark. You know what I mean? It's it's going to be tough. He's 38 he's finally cutting down to 135 this is actually like a legit cut for him now um you know if i'm not mistaken i think he walks around roughly around the uh, 150 ish mark 155 so to get down to 135 it's not going to be the worst thing but uh obviously the lower you get in weight the harder it is to cut uh those pounds so you know 38 dwindling durability um yeah, I, I just think it's a, it's a tough ask uh, for Frankie Edgar here to go in there against Pedro Munoz, who even though he's coming off a loss to Aljamain Sterling, he's a very very serious threat at this bantamweight division. So. Uh, the, the, the line is a little chalky, minus 255 for Pedro Munoz, plus 215 for Frankie Edgar. But the line that does catch my eye is Pedro Munoz to win inside the distance, which is minus 125, plus 100 at a certain uh, couple places that you can get. Uh, but I I do like that line. Um, my one concern here, though, is, is somehow if Edgar is able to stay on his bicycle, um... Just somehow get away from those leg kicks on those calf kicks uh, and outpoint Munoz here so just, I don't know why that's that's just on the back of my head and that's probably the only thing that's keeping me from legit making this a locker of the night play uh but I do still like the odds at minus 125 uh from Munoz to get the the finish here um You know, Frank Edgar did not get finished by Max Holloway, but Holloway's more of a volume striker uh, compared to an actual knockout artist, Uh, so he was able to have his way with Frank Edgar for pretty much five rounds. Um but uh, Pedro Munoz throws with just so much more heat ever since that Brian Ortega fight Frank Yeager just hasn't really looked the same the Cub Swanson fight he did pretty much the bare minimum to go out there and get the victory uh you know impressive that he went pretty much a month and a half after uh his Ortega fight to take that Cub Swanson fight to get the victory there but then he's been on a two fight skid since then and I think it's going to turn into three here and unfortunately for him I think he might uh be forced to hang it up at this point um I'm not sure if you know if we get a devastating knockout from Pedro Munoz uh it's going to be tough for me to see how Dana White uh continues to let Frankie Edgar to go out there and fight but then again we saw BJ Penn go out there and fight numerous times so we're not sure what what to see there but I do like Pedro Munoz here I do think he has uh the, his inside the distance line has some value as I do believe he will finish Frankie Edgar um so I'm going to take uh Munoz to win by oof, second or third round TKO uh, I wouldn't even be surprised to see him like rock Frankie Edgar and then and then go for a submission of some sort but uh, it's been a long time since we've seen Frankie Edgar lose by submission I don't think yeah he's never lost by submission in his career but when you have a high level uh jiu-jitsu guy like Pedro Munoz who throws with heat who can rock you um you know I- I'm not sure if see Munoz go out there and And, you know, club and sub or just club and continue to club. (laughs) You know, I mean, just as we saw when he fought Cody Garbrandt, he just went out there and and continued to to go for the ground and pound which was the right move in my opinion um but here against frankie edgar man it's going to be tough to watch as a frankie edgar fan you know watching his trilogies with gray maynard from back in the day uh it's tough to see how he comes out here and gets the victory so um i do like pedro munoz i like him to win inside the distance i'm going to say either second or third round uh but yeah this should be a big win for pedro munoz um in terms of getting a name under his belt but in terms you know this is frankie edgar's first fight at bantamweight he's not even ranked um and i'm not sure how much implications it will have for Pedro Munoz uh, in terms of uh, uh, getting a title shot or anything like that so uh, this will be a solid win for Pedro Munoz he should maybe get one or two more fights under his belt before we talk about him getting a title shot or anything like that but I think this is a a, a very good style matchup for him he's never really shown issues in terms of gas tank either uh, and I believe this will be his first fight in the UFC in in terms of five rounds I want to see pre-UFC if he had any five rounders He made his debut, oh sorry, I'm looking at Frankie Edgar right now, Uh, Pedro Munoz made his debut at UFC 170, Uh, yeah, he went five rounds against Jeff Curran way back in 2013, but since then, uh, he hasn't had a five round fight in the UFC, uh, so here it is, Um, but I don't think he's going to need it. Once again, Pedro Munoz to win this fight via KO uh, second or third round. And those are the breakdowns. I appreciate you guys checking out the podcast as always. Shout out to the thousand plus subscribers that I finally hit. It was my goal to hit a thousand subscribers before the end of August. And we beat it by like a week and a half, two weeks. I'm happy with that. I appreciate you guys as always. You guys are fucking phenomenal. You guys make this so much worth it. You guys make it worth it for me to fucking stay up to 2 a.m., 3 a.m. doing this for you guys uh, so that uh, even though I got to work in about four hours, uh, it's totally fine. I I know I'm going to be able to do this thing full-time sooner or later but i gotta keep grinding and doing it for you guys uh so i appreciate you guys as always i'm sure you can hear the tiredness in my voice but uh i I gotta get this out for you guys so again i appreciate you guys checking it out check out the patreon support your boy five bucks a month you guys get all this shit earlier than normal uh along with the picks, along with the best bets article um and just my insight if you guys want to chat on there i'm more than happy to chat with you guys uh make sure you guys check me out on twitter at mmalotn if you haven't subscribed yet hit the subscribe button let's try to get it up to five thousand. you know what i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to grow this as much as possible the one-man show over here pretty much um all right hope you guys enjoy the breakdowns and all that um good luck on your best this weekend and i'll see you guys next week uh for ufc vegas 8 i guess it is uh it might be a little bit more of an abbreviated episode as well uh due to me traveling to my wife's uh the family's place we're gonna be road tripping from toronto all the way to saskatchewan and that trip starts tomorrow so uh your boy's gonna be on the road for about 30 hours or so but while i'm over there i'm gonna to try to get in as much of the breakdowns as i can for you guys uh but uh yeah check out the patreon because you guys will get it the earliest there all right i'm gonna shut the fuck up now i'll see you guys next week